welcome back to our show. My name is Malik and... Hi, I'm Steph. And today we have a very special guest. Our very special guest is waiting. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, special guest? <laughs> Hello, I am Flo. And Flo is coming from abroad, actually. She is staying put. Uh, where are you at, Flo? I am in Hong Kong right now. Oh, can you tell us a little bit of a history of why you are there and, and how come you are still there? Yeah, that's a bit of a story. So basically, I was supposed to be traveling in Taiwan, but well, COVID hit so many like cities and places, right? So yep, um, in the middle of my trip, it was cut short because there was a lockdown in Hong Kong and I was supposed to be meeting my uncle and he needed to make a quick trip back to Hong Kong and therefore I joined him. And so within 24 hours, I was actually in three cities. Uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Singapore. Yeah. Right. So, tell us where you are staying, Flo. This is this is a good story. <laughs> <laughs> where is in like the place, or where is in like you know? As in the place. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm staying in a hotel room. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Oh, the one person who manages to be a jet setter in the midst of like a lockdown. It's like exactly right. How ridiculous was that? When she told me about the fact that she's in a hotel, I was like, like what? How's that? How's that possible? How are you in a hotel? And how long have you been in a hotel? It's been a month, I must say. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Snap. Okay, I think we have to spend a little bit talking, a bit of time talking about what it's like living in a hotel for a month. Like, tell us what week one was like and how week four now feels like. Yeah, you know, I think the first three days was like the most exciting three days. It's like, woohoo, you know, like new environment. And then like, you, you still haven't thought too much about what this day would mean. You just you know, it's like for me, it's an impromptu thing. I'm, I'm here impromptu. And I was actually thinking that I'll be back in Singapore. So the first three days was like, well, I'll get my stuff settled and then I'll go home. But then it dawned on me that it's not going to be three days by the third day. So it felt a bit weird because then it's like, oh, I don't have the things I have at home. Like I don't have a piano. I can't bake. So like, now I realize some of my hobbies, I can't do it in the hotel room. Wait, 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 wait. I thought you didn't bake. Wait, I did. She did. She so did. did. Dude, don't you get this? Like, Flo insisted for the longest time, for the whole time that... Okay, so here's some background. I, me, Flo, Flo and I used to work together, right? And the whole time that we worked together, she's like, oh, I've given up baking. My stuff is all away. And the minute, the minute I'm not around, out comes baked goods. It's yeah. so evil. So, so that, I, I'm in denial. I think she just, no. Make. Well, I have tasted her baked goods. Damn you! So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I can ascertain that it does exist. Yes! And, and it is amazing. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know what you're talking about, uh, Steph. So um, yeah, Slow's baking is, I remember the matcha cookies. Yep, that I'm happened. so jealous. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah, when all this like maybe calms down a little, maybe, maybe you can look mm. forward to it. Stop teasing me, Flo. <laughs> Get home and start firing up your oven. <laughs> uh, I don't have an oven right here to fire. I wish I had. Yeah. yeah, but like speaking of which, yeah, so the first week was a little bit of like, you know, coming to terms. But then I must say I'm an extroverted person. So this whole homestay in hotel room by myself and really having very little social, uh, social interaction with people is just killing the cells within me. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> right. Yeah, like I, I really took note of very little interactions. Like if I had to go out to buy a meal just to say hi to someone, I think I would. Wow. Okay, that's yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because we had this conversation in the last episode, and Steph was mentioning about being she's an you know she's an introvert. So, yeah. uh, she was mentioning about in at the initial stages when it was it was fine, and then it comes to a point where it is not fine anymore. Right? It becomes, uh, I guess, the silence becomes deafening. To a point, right? Um, yeah. yeah no, but- for me, maybe my tolerance is a little less than usual because like I'm extroverted. While right. I enjoy introverted activities like reading, like, you know, like doing things that I like, or like writing and stuff like that. But even then, I need that an hour or two each day to right. just talk to someone. But in a hotel room, yeah, I know it's really nice and pretty and stuff, but it's still it's still void of like social interaction and I think that's why I need it. And so like, I felt like second week was like jail. <laughs> no. No, no I told I, I think so too. I feel like this isolation period just feels like house arrest, right? Each of us have been arrested in our homes and the only excuse for leaving it is to do something food related. So now our lives are like defined by food and our home. Like just, yeah, these, these are the two only things in our minds. Yeah, but... For me, for my, uh, my situation, the lockdown is more internal for this 14 days. The first 14 days is more internal self-regulation because the government did say that I have got to, you know, like be stuck in the room myself in, in Hong Kong, I mean. Yeah. So for me, I came in just before the lockdown. So the good thing is that I'm not given a risk or band that says that I need to be at home for 14 like days. Yeah. So I, I kind of escaped that, but also on behalf of like, you know, others. And I was just thinking about the people I meet, if I were to meet them within a 14-day period, it wouldn't be like gracious and nice. So I still decided to do my own stay-home notice. Yeah. So I tried to do it actually for three weeks instead of two weeks, like just in case, you know. Oh my gosh, such super ambitious. <laughs> and especially for you Flo because it's like we know how much of an extrovert you are like I think you're like one of the most extroverted people I know like you're really up there on the spectrum to have survived two weeks I think that's really impressive to like push for a third that's just that's like your go-getter alpha self speaking you're, you're quite right I'm, I'm someone that doesn't like to do minimum so like I like one extra mouth so <laughs> what happened was I read research on the news that said that actually 14 days is not the whole incubation period, it could be 21 days. 
So I was like, um, I don't want potential like harm done to other people. Also because I know that the people I'll be meeting would be my relatives and older people. So I just think that, you know, I should be the one who plays safe and, you know, protect them from my side. So yeah, the third week was horrendous. It's almost like <laughs> I felt depression setting in. I'm like, goodness. The, and, and when I look out the window, it's just all grim and gloomy. And I'm just like, man, sucks. It sucks all the life out of me. Like, <laughs> oh no! So, what do you do to cope? Like that week, that week when it was like the dumps. Oh my gosh! Like, if I don't literally do anything, I think I would go into some sort of like winter depression. If, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Hey>, winter <laughs> depression is real. Winter yeah, depression. Yeah, it is. Oh my gosh! Like you know, when the when the days are short and like you just don't get enough sunshine, and there's no freaking reason in the world why you should like be unhappy. It's just there's no sun. I know. That's exactly how I felt the third week. I'm like, there is no sun. Full stop. I'm like, what? I wake up, doesn't feel like day. I sleep, it feels like night. I'm like, oh my gosh. It feels like no day, but there's night. Yeah. How did I cope? I think I tried. I tried to put myself like through more books, you know, like have more targets for myself. But the more I did it, the more depressed I was, actually. Like, at first, it was very fun because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm learning so much. And I'm like, yay. Then the next moment, it's like, but that's sad, isn't it? Because all I have is books. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, my other self is like, you know, the angel's like, yeah, you know, to learn a lot of things. And then the devil's like, man, you only have books now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, literally. So there's like two voices within me. Um, but yeah, I think another way that I like cope is really through prayer. Like I feel like, hey, even if there's nobody, like even if there's no actual human here, but when I pray, I feel like I'm talking to someone, I'm talking to God. And very interestingly, sometimes I do feel peace. Um, and then also I read some verses like from the Bible to calm me down because, you know, when you're pan- panicking and like anxious yourself, there's actually no quite like good way to calm yourself down it's not it's not like i suddenly have a sister to talk to but like yeah I, w- but you do <laughs> you do have a sister to talk to. I have, okay background context she's having an exam and it's like she's like she's like me when it comes to doing stuff like she's super intense like nobody's gonna call her nobody's gonna talk to her because she's gonna like she says she's gonna ace exam so like don't talk to her. So I was right. like, okay, no talking to her means I l- literally don't have a sister. <laughs> yeah, and all she has are books. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, so like, I mean, I do have some like interesting coping mechanisms, but um, I know by the end of the week, like I was so ready to make sure I blast my schedule the fourth week. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this, this is the fourth week already, right? Yeah. Today, today, for all the listeners, is actually a Friday. So it's mm. the end of your fourth week. How, how does that feel like to you? Oh, I feel so much better. I feel like more normal. I feel like my normal self came back. Because like, you know, I like to talk to actual human beings. But you know, even though technology helps, like um, we get to talk like this right now. Right. But uh, yeah, previously, like Steph and I was just saying that, you know, it just doesn't feel the same. You know, you still lose that intimacy. You still lose that um, personal touch to, 
to relationships and friendships. So when I got to meet my first friend this week, I'm like, I felt like it was a miracle. I also felt like I, it wasn't real. It was surreal. And I'm like, man, I can actually hug someone. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's something that we, do, we always take for granted, right? Yeah, right. Like right. there's so much magic in that moment. Right. Yeah, it's almost like I'm part of a fairy tale because it's so surreal. Yeah, but that is, that is how crazy it is for me because I'm extroverted. Sorry, I've got to say that again. Yeah. Right. Okay, yes. so, so in, in, that, in that sense, um, the situation where you are at is pretty much uh, stabilized. Can, can we say that? Yeah, also because the weather turned well, like turned good. Ah, there we <laughs> go. Okay. So you could yeah. actually now go out and meet people. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. Even though people are still quite cautious on their end, but uh, as long as the group is not more than four people, it's still good. Like the, the government here says it's fine. Ah, okay. So, so I guess that's that's a that's a good thing that is happening, yeah. and yeah. I guess for for places like where we are at, um, it might be something that we could look forward to. Maybe sometime in the next few weeks. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed. But yeah, for, I I, a thought came to my mind. What? I, like, I understand why a lack of sunshine makes us kind of like, you know, more yeah. down. It's just vitamin D, right? Yeah. Um, but what do you think is the reason why weather can change our emotions? Right, that's pretty cool. Like, like rain, like drizzles, like, I don't know, strong winds, no winds, blue skies, not blue skies. Like, why do these things, do you think? Yeah. affect our emotions i think we are brought up with some kind of concept that sunshine means happy um cloudy or raining means like you know it's sad like there's some kind of like association that's kind of common through like all cultures if even if i were to ask someone from another place they would also say yeah it's really gloomy and you use this kind of words right to describe certain emotions yeah, I feel like there is this cultural association or um, maybe more specifically not non-cultural association, but just general, uh, generic kind of like associations that people have. And we do this like across many years of our life. And, and it's, it's even like recorded in our speeches, right? The kind of like analogies that we give people like, well, today my, my life just feels like it's like a downpour. Like when we say this kind of things, I just think that we... Yeah, we are kind of strengthening that association that if the day is bad, yeah, you know, it's going to be pouring, green. right? It's going to yeah. be pouring. And then we, we, we kind of like all agree to that. It's like, if I were to share this with you, you wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, I'm so surprised you used like gloomy. You should have used like, you know, like a rainbow. It's like, what? Yeah. like <laughs> yeah. So we all agree to that. And I think that's really, really important because like, there are some shared human experiences with regards to this. Yeah, and, and that's really powerful in the way that it makes us feel because and I think I've been reading up about emotions is that it is something Wait, wait, that, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Just oh. to just to just to give context because um before we carry on right, uh, right, for the okay. viewers out there, just to give context right. to who Flo is and what she does is Flo is a professional linguist. Can I say that? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, she's a very she's a trained linguist and she's currently on her training to get her 
doctorate degree in in applied linguistics. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay, now you can carry on. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think applied linguistics does not cut why I'm talking about emotions. Like <laughs> okay. applied linguistics is about applying linguistics to other fields and the fields that I, I've looked at. Um the most interesting field was emotions. So um that was that was what got me started, like emotions. At first it was pride and then it went on to many other emotions. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So hmm. back to that track of thought um earlier on about you know how our shared human experience like you know allows us to to relate to to the weather similarly and um yeah and 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 how it relates back to our personal life yeah do you, do you think it is a is an implied natural feeling for example if i i am a baby right if, hmm. if i am a baby and yeah there are no inclinations to or i was not being brought up to understand like whether uh rain means sad or gloomy um uh or sunny means happy do you think that those emotions are naturally uh inbuilt into us are they kind of written in our genetic code based on um past experiences based on the parents experiences and stuff like that? because a lot of memories and experiences are kind of written yeah. in your genetic uh, algorithm. You can say that. Yeah. Um, but do you think that these are? Do you think, based on your studies, these are implied emotions that we somehow have in us, and we just kind of feel it? Ah, uh, that's a really good question because I've been really reading up about different theories of emotions. Some researchers fight for the fact that it is purely, you know, um, a biological experience where like, you know, it's your biology that, you know, kind of gives rise to what you feel. Some people think that um, nurture, you can nurture yourself to feeling some, some way. Mm. Yeah. And some, some do a mix. Um, mm. And uh, some, my, my first research on emotions, I understood it to be that emotions there are basic categories that people would feel and all of it will all of us would feel that way regardless of whether you are from culture a or culture b but my latest finding i am gonna like you know just it, it seems like it's gonna be a reverse of what i actually know um and yeah so the latest theory is that emotions is actually just an interpretation oh Wow, look at this, yeah. hot off the press. Yeah. It's not even... Of what? Yeah. Um, interpretation on a few aspects, you know, like biology, like maybe after you, you run, there's, there's this pumping, yeah, your heart pumping feeling. Ooh. And you have this like, you know, you, you're not quite sure there's endorphins or there is, you know, yeah. So it's an it's experience that you go through that you are interpreting. It is, not, it is not that you fundamentally are feeling that way, you know? Like, so maybe after a run, you want to say that you feel really like relieved. But how did you come up to that, you know? Uh, firstly, your biological like self, you, you, you feel like your heart is pumping and all these things. And then also maybe you, you were looking at your environment and then you deduce that, hey, you know, I'm actually relieved. And then it could also be past experience of you going through this that allows you to feel relieved, that you feel relieved again. 
Yeah. So there's like biology and there's also like that, that other part of interpretation based on previous experiences. Yeah. And there's a lot of things, right? So someone else would say after a run, I don't feel relieved. I actually feel even more angry. You know, right. you don't know. You don't know exactly how that person feels. And so I feel like firstly, emotions is a deeply personal experience. Secondly, it's something that you yourself interpret it to be. Mm. However, it's not the fact that, you know, like our brain is not changing. Like I feel like a brain and emotions is a separate thing, right? Yeah. Whatever comes to our thoughts, it can be a very like in the moment matter. But emotions is something that we actually physically or like or maybe mentally went through to kind of interpret something. Yeah, I kind of agree with you because you know um, that that subject matter of brain and heart. Yeah. Is, you know, there are like two different mechanisms in our self, right? And we there's always this this fight about is this logical, but is this what I want to do because based on what I feel, right? Sometimes we do the illogical thing. Like, I mean, there's a saying yeah. that says when you're in love, everything yeah. goes out of the window, right? Yeah. The, the most logical reason that you can ever think of is just out of the window and you just do the most illogical thing because mm. you tend to follow your heart. Right, yeah. so that's that's that. I mean, I believe that is true for facts. Um, we do have that brain logical part of us, mm. and there's also that 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 heart part of us, which somehow right. sometimes can be the more powerful uh, driver of our actions. For example, but I also thought it's really interesting mm. how. When you said interpretation, I was thinking about, you know, what are these differences between how you experience something versus how you interpret something, right? And, and for me, interpretation immediately comes, brings the idea of vocabulary to mind. Because one part of interpretation is describing how, what you experienced emotionally, mm. right? Mm. So you can experience something and you never have to describe it. And that experience is, is known to you internally. You have this like internal... Um, um, understanding without ever having to describe it to yourself mm. but interpretation pushes that a bit more because it somehow requires articulation yes or some kind of translation yes oh my goodness you hit a really major point that <laughs> I had a breakthrough on so okay. there is one it is one thing to say you understand your own emotions which is what you said right like how you feel and you know how you feel and but you, you're not taught to express it out yet at a point in time you're just saying like i feel that way but in your mind you don't have to put a mental word to it like right yeah I'm, i just feel something you know and you said vocabulary is needed for for that that kind of categorization yeah so on one end so i'm interested in looking at whether we understand our own emotions in the first place like do we know what we're feeling maybe we don't so that's the internal side of things on the other end is before self-expression is self-regulation. Are we regulating it? Are we actually saying, I shouldn't feel this emotion? Wait, but before regulation, there is even like one prior step to that, which is self-awareness, right? Like self-recognition. Oh, awareness. Recognition. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Yes, you're so right. that's just when, when you realize that actually there is an emotion, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to not even realizing there is an emotion. And it's only after you realize, yeah. hey, wait, I'm feeling something. Mm. Then you can decide, okay, do I just hang on to this feeling and let it be? Or do yeah. I try to interpret slash exactly. translate it? Or, exactly, which yeah. is where what you're saying is the regulation part. You're regulating it already. At a point in time, 
number one, you are already aware of that emotion. And number two, you are actively taking steps to seeing what you want to do with it, whether it is like expressing it or not. Well, then culture comes into play because what if that culture doesn't allow for that emotion to be expressed or doesn't, doesn't feel that it's right that you express that emotion, then obviously you wouldn't express it or you might be like a badass and you're like, whatever, what the shit, and then I'm just going to express it. So it really depends on that person at that point in time. But I must say that Asians are very predisposed to what the culture gives us. Mm. Like, so very interestingly, the emotion that had the most like interesting take or like response was pride. Because pride is really number one in terms of like not supposed to be expressed um, across cultures in Asia. Like um, it's not just among the Chinese. It's even among the Malays and um, many cultures. Like they don't think that when you're too proud is good. Hmm. Like there's this notion that you can't be too proud and that you must be humble. The, right. Yeah, the, maybe the opposite of pride would be like humility. And instead of focusing on pride, people say that, oh, you know what? We should actually focus on this emotion instead, hum- like the, hum- the humility of that, that person. Right. So apparently, this is, this is what people do to like regulate this emotion. Instead of saying, I'm proud, or, because it just doesn't sound right. Like when you say, I'm proud, it just feels a bit odd, you know? However, I must say that uh, when I did a little bit of um, research in Hong Kong and in Singapore, people in Hong Kong were more... Um, afraid to even use the word proud, but in Singapore it seems all right. Um, yeah, I think what? there's a mm, yeah. Sorry, go first. Go ahead. Okay, I think that I mean in Singapore because we are we are kind of uh, taking on the Western culture quite a bit. So mm. that 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 change in uh, behavior in terms of cult- cultural behavior, right? Mm. There's a there's a there's definitely a shift in cultural behavior. Um, it's it's more like if you I don't know if you put uh, some form of uh, similarity or put put something across the table, you can say that the way South Koreans admire Americans and the way they embody their culture, kind of in a way, a similar thing that that is happening over here. We we kind of the especially the the. The younger generations, when when the cultural divide is stronger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we don't follow our own cultures mm. and 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 we try to embody Western cultures, yeah. The, there's a there's a there's a split between the belief in the old cultural systems where you have like you said, humility is something that mm. you pride. Ironically, humility is something that you pride. Yeah. Uh, yourself with compared mm. to the emotion of pride in these days sometimes you see that being proud or something is something that that, that you show people because yeah. um, the way children are raised these days um, parents are ever more happy to show that oh I'm proud of you I'm proud of you right uh, you have done very well you know mm. so the, the the way that you're brought up is kind of different um the way we bring up our kids are, is different from the way our parents brought us up, right? Uh, where we are always keen and like, yeah. you're not good enough, you're not good enough. We're always being told you're not good enough. Yeah. But these days, it's more like, oh, it's okay. And like, you know, the, 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 the saying where even every participant gets a medal kind of, you know, yeah. culture. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So it's, there's a, that's why there, I think there's a, 
slight difference in in uh, there's a dissonation in in terms of your uh, Hong Kong culture where you still have that 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 cultural uh, sensitivity across, and it's the cultural divide is not as big. I think also because there's a very strong presence of the Chinese in Hong Kong. Right. And I was reading a little bit about Confucius. Um, they do not like, as in the, the whole branch of Confucius like, um, ideologies, that they do not like pride at all. If you mm. experience pride, you shouldn't expre- uh, express it. So mm. if, if people learn Chinese through this kind of books and theologies and ideas, then, then maybe... The, the, the thought of like pride being bad is deeply ingrained in everyone here. So much so that they, they don't want to express pride, even though some of them are very, you know, like, isn't they, they, they are very aware of the Western culture, but it doesn't mean that they want to express that. Whereas in, in Singapore, it seems like people adopt the Western culture of thought in terms of this emotion itself. It's like, it's okay. If you're proud of someone else, it's fine. Or um, if you're proud of your achievement, it's, it's okay to feel proud of your achievement. Maybe people think like that. Um, and that's actually what I found, you know, when I was talking to Singaporeans who, who are using the word pride and, and they were like, yeah, I mean, it's okay to be proud, you know, if, if it's something that you put a lot of effort in. That's what they tell me. Mm. Yeah, that's okay because you put a lot of effort in. But then when I asked um, the Hong Kongers the same thing, I'm like, what if you put a lot of effort in it? Would you say you're proud? No, 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 no. I won't say that. They said, I'll be happy. I'm like, oh. In my mind, I was like, mm, to them, there's a difference. Right. They say happy or proud. So they, they, they might want to express pride, but through the emotion of happiness. Mm. Yeah. But I think like, it's, it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, on one hand, we talk about Confucius ideology, but mm. a lot of Singaporeans who are Chinese actually mm. still keep to a lot of Confucius ideology as well. Mm. And one of the possible explanations I was actually considering as I heard you speaking was, I think, I think our national experience has mm. changed our, our experience of pride. So mm. I think the, the, the time where pride became a bigger issue and as a community, we had to mm. feel pride was when mm. we had to fight for independence. Mm. Right. So if you think about what national pride is, it's like if mm. you aren't proud of your unique identity as a nation, it's very mm. hard to overthrow a British government. It's very hard to separate from Malaysia. It's just very hard to think yeah. of yourself as something worth fighting for, right? And mm. something that that is more than happy. You can't just mm. be happy to be Singaporean. That's just yeah. not the, the, the emotion that you're going for. And and our national experience therefore allowed us to understand different conceptions of pride so it's not so much pride like of your you're not it's not it's not about proud of your individual achievements Mm. but it's about being proud of your shared history and being proud of what you've accomplished together as a nation and if those prides are are uh, acknowledgeable and Mm. celebrated then Mm. hey what in what other ways can this affirming emotion then be applied to other things that need affirmation and every human being needs that affirmation right Mm. and so when I think about how that Hong Konger who said oh you know that wouldn't be pride to me that would be happiness Mm. the intention is the same right the intention is to affirm what he's done what he's worked really hard for but he has never um, been comfortable applying that label of pride or applying that 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 expression true um true 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 that particular word so there's this mm. there's this weird gray area between choice of words 
um, and the actual emotion, right? Because yeah. like one of the things, yeah, one of the things that I was thinking of is like I remember reading like a really cute like kids book about words that don't exist in other languages, mm. especially when it relates to different emotions. And you know, the bottom line learning point is that because we all have different experiences in life, then we we need to find words for those experiences. Yeah, right. So there, there is like a. Uh, a word in Inuit, right, that describes the anticipation one feels when waiting for someone. And then they would keep going outside to check if that person has arrived. And that Inuit mm. word, I, I can't pronounce it, it's iktswarpok, <laughs> right? And so they have one word in Inuit. Mm. I mean, I don't know how Inuit sounds yeah. in the first place, but that's how it's spelled and that's how I'm pretending to mm. pronounce it. But they have one word to describe this one emotion. Mm. of anticipation from waiting for someone to come home and then going out to check. And I'm like, okay, in Singapore and Hong Kong, that's never going to happen, right? If you're sitting at home waiting for someone to come, you'll just be like impatient. Uh, yeah. like the emotion that comes to mind is impatience or, or worry or anxiety. It's like, where's that person? Yeah. But that whole act of like looking out into the, the horizon, it's like, mm. can I see my, mm. my, my hunter, gatherer, father, brother, mm. sister, mother mm. coming back from, from uh, you know, a long period out? Out, out in the great wilderness no that, yeah. that, that's not something I can relate to and that's not right. something I have a, a word for yeah and so the fact that Inuits have it I'm like that makes total sense because when they go out into the wilderness I mean mm. the, the thought of keeping in touch or giving people updates about where you are or when you're coming back or like oh mm. okay, I got a bear I'm on my way home you know it's just not yeah. something you okay I'm totally borderline insulting the Inuit culture but like <laughs> It's not like here in Singapore where we're like, okay, I got the groceries, I'm on the way home. Or yeah. like, I got the kids, we're on our way home, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and this idea of like urban travel mm-hmm. makes it such that this emotion is not a big emotion, it's not a big part of our human experience. Exactly. Um, so, so I was, yeah, so I was thinking pride is a little bit like that, right? It, it, when, we, when, we, when we accept certain words for certain emotions, it comes mm-hmm. from that experience, whether personal exactly. or collective. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then and then that changes our relationship with the word and relationship with the emotion. Yes, so true, so true. Like, I can say that why this study was so interesting was because in these two places, like Hong Kong and Singapore, they can still identify with the same kind of pride experiences because they're relatively the same. If I were to say, if you work something very, you work at something very hard and then you get something out of it, you'll feel pride. I think this this emotion would be shared, you know, in these two cultures. It's not like, you know, it's going to be very different. They're going to feel, you know, like someone, you know, in Inuit culture would have some other, you know, word for it. But here, it's, it seems like they have a little bit of a shared experience in this part of Asia. And so this study seems to be more viable here. Yeah, but I, I like how you said that, you know, it really depends on, on the experience that you have you know, before you, you use whatever words you have to express yourself. Yeah, and I did look at my study and I made sure to look at individual achievements as a separate matter from national pride, mm-hmm. as a separate matter from proud, as you feeling proud for your relatives or people close to you and proud for others, like general public others. And then... What I found very interesting is the levels of pride are very different. Like even among these categories, like people feel the most for national pride. Right. And then next being their individual achievements because you have a lot of, um, you know, 
there's there's a lot of you in that emotion. So I think people feel a lot for that emotion, but there's so much less for others. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, like pride for others is something that is more like, yeah, okay, like I'm proud of you. But it seems like so when I say I'm proud of you, it could be a very, I don't feel very much of it, but I'm just saying it out. Right. Okay. So it might not be a true feeling. It just, just mm. a, just to make you feel good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems to be like that. Yeah, because I what I did was I get the uh, participants to do a rating for me. Because emotions is something that is very in the air and there's no concrete way for me to know exactly how much you're feeling. But I feel numbers give them some sense. Right. Skill gives them some sense to, to let me know, are you on like the bursting mode of this emotion or are you on like, hmm, I'm, I'm, I'm mild on this kind of, you know, But what if some emotions are not on the bursting scale? Like some emotions are inherently um, muted or neutral um, I was thinking about what you just said about about the mm. pride for someone else, and can mm. you really be overwhelmed with huge, like a, like a big emotion, like a big sort of like overarching, overflowing pride for someone? Mm. Um, yeah, personally, I'm thinking it's never going to be as big an emotion as when mm. I say I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Right. When I'm able to say to someone I'm so happy for you, that emotion is a much bigger emotion than pride and and the way that i experience pride it's it's a lot more muted it's a lot more subtle mm. it's a lot more quiet right it's like this quiet but very convicted feeling is the that's so good for you you have accomplished so much this is like great in in, in and it's it's just a more grounded feeling than than being happy for someone so i mean i don't know like when you think about measuring emotion mm. Don't emotions exist on different scales? And, and are, we, are we being too technical about, about emotions and whether or not we can really measure them? Yeah, so basically, that is also like a thought that came out, you know, to me after I did this study. Like, I think I'm trying to force a system on it, which actually does help me see um, something about this emotion, right? That, you know, how do we know whether this emotion is muted or not? If, if, I don't force them to give me some kind of, you know, response to this. And maybe my, me trying to give them um, that, that, that guiding um, help is by giving them a skill. But um, like, like you said, right, it's for me then as a researcher to interpret this scale as, is it a bursting kind of scale or is it a muted kind of scale? Or, or it's also about speaking to them, right? Like what, what were you thinking when this scale came to you? Yeah, so like you said, emotions is one of the most complicated things to study because it is so subjective, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, there are so many factors that could influence how you feel. I could feel like maybe 10 emotions at one time, but you know, not everyone is given that same toolkit. Like you said, you know, the vocabulary to express it, you know, like the same so what i found also interesting is your your linguistic ability on that language is super important to how you feel to, to yeah being able to describe it allows yeah. you to actually own the feeling right exactly and if you can't describe the feeling that's more likely that you will either dismiss it or or, or not acknowledge it or discount it it's just like oh, i don't know yes. what this is and then you sort of like move on right yeah so therefore there are countless research to talk about how you feel the most in your first language 
okay. you feel in a language. Okay, we have to talk about this. Like, yes. what, this what, is, what, what does that mean? How do you yeah. feel? So basically, in a language. all of us, okay, all of us that are here today, we don't only speak one language. That's, that's amazing. So I have something to say. Right. See, you have Malay, Malik, and yes. you have English. And okay, okay, I know. Experiment, experiment. Right. Okay. Each of us think of an emotion that you always describe. Sounds like your... a bad idea. <laughs> no, no, okay, no. let's go. Okay, so Malik will think of an emotion that you always use Malay to describe, right? And I'll think of something in Chinese. And Flo, you can think of something either in Cantonese or, or, or Chinese, right? And mm. it's just like the three of us always communicate in English. But I'm sure there are certain emotions that we feel... Every time I want to describe this motion, I don't use an English word for it. Mm. Right. Okay. Ready? I have. Does, I have. Does everyone have? Wait. Wait. Okay. Hold it. Flo, do you have a word? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You ready? All right. I have. I have a word, but it's not a safe word. <laughs> 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 because whenever, whenever I feel this way, it is usually out of frustration, and um, it is. Usually in a situation where I feel like, oh my god, like ooh, right? Like <laughs> when the you know that constipated feeling is like I need to hit something kind of feeling. And that's yeah. when I use that word and it's usually in Malay and it's used to basically describe either a situation or a person that is super frustrating at that present moment, right? So um so that's that's what I have that word, but it's not a safe word. Um but but <laughs> But yeah, I do, right? And and I in and if you were to catch me in my candid moments, I would probably be blurting it out, right, uh, under my breath, uh, whenever there's something that is totally uh, giving me the irks, right? So yeah, for sure, I have it, right? Okay, okay, no, no wait, 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 okay, let's just fully got your word, right? Yeah. yeah. So let's just take turns to say the word. Um, yeah. And then we can talk about why that word is not in our common language. Because I think all the context Malik, that you gave us about what this word means to you and, 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 and the emotions tied to that word, in many ways explains why you choose Malay to express that instead of any other language. Right. And that would be interesting to talk about too. Right. Yeah, that would be yeah. fun. Right. Okay. So, so, so to give you context, actually the word is not... Hmm. You can say it's a... Just say the word like, yo. <laughs> oh my gotta, God. I got to build it up, yo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, go, go. so the, 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 word. The, the word is not... Is not it's, it basically means bad luck, right? Uh, it's, it, the word is xiao, right? Xiao. Yeah, right? Like, and you, <laughs> you, I you did were, not know that xiao is bad luck. Yeah, it, it's kind of like um, bad luck or unfortunate, right? Uh, okay. Kind of, yeah. So it's... It's well, it's used in a cursory manner, but the actual meaning is not that bad. But the way you use it is, it can be a cursory thing, right? So, no, it's you like, say cursory as in like it's just, it's it's short and in passing, or you mean like curse word? Curse yeah, word. like like shit, right? Something like that. Oh, like, you mean or, both then? It's both yeah. a curse word as well as shit in passing. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, correct. So it's like shit, right? So, but that, <laughs> but it doesn't mean like shit. Shit is just uh. uh uh, un- feces. Yeah, she is feces, and it's just like when you when you did something wrong, like ah shit, right? Yeah, but this is this is different. This is like another is degree. Deeper? Yeah, it's kind of deeper. It's kind of another degree. For example, when something upsetting happens, I would just say ah. Sh-, instead of saying ah shit, right? I just say macam sial, right? This is <laughs> this is like <laughs> it's like ha! I want to kill you, right? Uh, kind of feeling. So. 
so that's the context and why I choose that word is because it is um it is kind of ingrained in in culture or in language. I don't speak a lot of Malay, right? And yeah. and even at home, me and my my parents we speak a lot of English. Um, other than my grandma, my grandma speaks English too. So we we speak yeah. a lot of uh, English even at home. So Malay is not the natural most natural language that I speak. Um, but that kind of not only does it does it relay emotion in the word, um, it when you you hear someone says that, it kind of means that oh my god this is something really bad right so it, it kind of relates more than just an emotion it relates that that whole environment and the whole setup of this is super shitty right uh, it could be and it can even say uh, it can even be directed to a person right like. Um, uh, for example, uh, someone takes your money and then denies it. And it's like, why? Then you can say like, why? Why are you like this? Instead of saying why are you like this, you are macam sial, right? <laughs> you give me, <laughs> right? You, you make my life so shit. <laughs> right? so, so that's that's uh, So so you can hear like, um, if you hear in passing, uh, sometimes when you have un- angry couples and like Malay couples, and it's like macam sial langkau, you know, like like it's just like macam sial, you know, like <laughs> you know, you need to have that that sing song kind of intonation. So yeah, it it means deep, and and when whenever you are at the receiving end of that, you mean yeah. like oh man, I fucked up, right? It's like oh no, right? Like I totally did something bad, um, to to have. Someone say that to me, it means like, oh man, I have screwed up big time, right? Oh. Um, I've caused someone uh, to feel, um, you know, uh, to feel a certain way that is unpleasant to a point, right? So that that's mm. that's the word. Wow. Wait, okay. then what is the meaning of that word when it comes at the end of a sentence when they're when they're just being like chill and like yeah? Or is that a different word? So the. Yeah, so that word is can be a is is more it can be a slang word, right? Um, okay. Um, it can be the 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 main use is like a right? Like. <laughs> right? Oh my god! No, wait! Now you're now now you're speaking Hokkien. Yeah. No, no, huh? it's not it's not salakau. It's sial sial akau siala 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 means it's not like yala mm-hmm. like yala. But it's siala lah, siala. Alright. And then yangkau. Uh, no, then the the part is kau. Kau means uh, it's short form for angkau, which means it's you, right? Oh, oh my god! Oh my I thought you meant kau as in like good dog in Hokkien. No, 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 no. <laughs> so it's it's kau. So in in Malay, angkau. Oh, like means... kau mu and like. Oh. oh not kau mu. Not kau mu the animal. Um, oh. Malay okay language. A lesson in the Malay language thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so me is can be saya or mm-hmm. aku. Saya mm-hmm. is like the the more polite oh. way of saying me, right? Or I, mm. right? So you, Malay there's these levels of you know it's just like any other English. I know, uh, I know. Formal Indian. and informal. Yeah, like, using yeah. So formal is like saya, but <gasps> if informal you have your. your Sorry, aku. give me a moment. Oops. Oops. This is the difference when you live in a hotel and then your phone can ring. Yeah, I know. Because in Singapore, we don't have phones that ring. I know, exactly. 
I'm back. Okay. So continuing on, where were we? Oh, so uh, saya, saya means uh, me or I in a formal manner. So whenever you are speaking to someone that is of a high authority, there's always this saya, right? And then um, this is not in relation to palace language, right? Palace language is another level. Um, uh, aku is more of uh, informal. Like if I were to talk to friends, I would say ah, aku, 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 right? Um, yeah. Uh, so, so Angkau is just you, right? Mm. Uh, so the informal way is kau, kau, eh, kau, kau, kau buat, kau buat this, kau buat that, or you go, kau pergi sana, kau pergi sini. Uh, the other, the the formal way is Angkau uh, pergi ke sana, right? So it's it's a more melodic, uh, softer approach. Uh, so kau means short form for Angkau lah. So Malay words, a lot of, of them are chopped into bits and pieces. Because we like to speak very fast and uh, we are lazy lah. <laughs> in general. So English just, as well. Yeah, yeah so, 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 so what was the phrase? The phrase was siala something kau. Siala kau. Oh, siala kau. Uh, not sala kau. So I think sala kau is... A no, sala kau is wrong, right? Like you're, you're wrong. I don't know. That's Hokkien. No, uh, sala, no. like the word sala. Oh, sala, sala is wrong, wrong. yes. Mm. But you know the Hokkien word sala kau is... Uh, not the gang. No, the Hokkien one is like. What is that? Okay, we are venturing into. Oh, other Xiao Lang Kao, is it? <laughs> I don't know. That crazy, cra- crazy dog person. Oh, is it? Okay, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah I could be totally like making it. this up. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like it. Sorry, I don't know. I don't know Hokkien. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that that is the word and the use of that word. So whenever you hear me say, oh, Xiao, like, like, oh my god, like, you know, like, it comes naturally uh, because of the language that I grew up with. And uh, right. it, it 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 gives a stronger sense of that emotion. And also, and, and it's no, there's no other equivalent, right? No, you can't find. I mean, there are other equivalents. It can it can mean like oh shit, but the the level is slightly different, right? Like you mm. said, it's sub- subjective, right? Yeah. So the 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 level of feeling that is uh, being uh, ex- expressed. Is kind of different. Like shit, it's just like ah, shit, right? It's just okay, like, but ah, is it okay. is it an impolite word? Um, it can be an impolite word. Have um, your parents used it on you before? No, because my parents, uh, I mean, yeah lah. In call you in English? No, they don't call me in English. They call you Malay, right? Yeah, so, so, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I know. I know how angry my parents are depending on what language they're scolding me. <laughs> yeah, it's like true. That. It's true. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my mom really... speaks to me in Cantonese and starts scolding me. I know that's yeah. when I did wrong. Yeah, so when my mom say, hey, kawa, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Something is wrong already. Right, okay. So that's, that's, that's when you know some, some shit has yeah. hit the fan, right? But uh, when my mom comes to me, hey, do you know? Uh, then it's like, okay. Or do you, do you? Uh, then it's like, okay. okay. Yeah, I must say this. Uh, that across many like bilinguals and uh, like multilinguals English is the most formal and the most like the least emotional in that sense yeah yeah and and it's really agreed upon many many like bilinguals like minds and stuff like that it's like, the most neutral talk, we can say yeah, yeah. It's the most neutral language and therefore maybe that's why it emphasizes the, on the other language that we have that yeah. the yeah the, the first language that we have carry so much of these other emotions that English could not carry. What's your word flow? Your Cantonese word? Mine 
mine I learned it while I was actually in Hong Kong when I was studying and I I like this word better um, instead of chill so uh, it's called hair a whole hair you know like hair has this like added meaning that you are lazy but chill doesn't have it chill is just like well you're chill doesn't mean that you're lazy it's just like maybe you want to get your give yourself some time off you know but for hair it's like I'm purposely lazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, oh my God, me, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm not inherently lazy. I'm not like uncontrollably lazy. Yeah. I'm mindfully lazy. Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when they ask me, hey, yeah, like, so have you done your work yet? I was like, no. Oh, oh hey, can. Like, <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I'm just being lazy. <laughs> Oh my god! And and, yeah. and okay, so does it take away the judgment of being lazy? Like, why why do you think you like um being able to distinguish between a mindful laziness versus a just noir? I can't help myself kind of lazy. Yeah, because yeah, I think for the noir, it it feels like you're on the bed. Yeah, yeah, all the time. But mm. for hair, it's like. I can choose to get out of this situation if I wanted to. There's this like choice in there. Like I chose to be lazy, but I can choose to get out of this situation. Noir doesn't have it. It's like you are going to lie down a bit for like many years. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and I chose it. It could be a long time. It could be a short time. It could right. also be like, yeah, never ending. But I have that, that position to get out of this, this, this word like hair. Yeah. Like chillness. Yeah. And also, it is negative, more negative than chill. I don't want to make it seem like, oh, it's a positive chilling. It's not like relaxing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not like, like yeah, Netflix and not... chill kind of chill. No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah There's and... so much embedded meaning in that. I'm just <laughs> going to let it slide. Yes. Let it slide. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, and also it can it can come as like a little bit of an insult if you say why why are you so hair? Like, oh, it's like why are you choosing to be lazy? Yeah, it's like, like like and it's almost you... like I know you're not lazy, you're just choosing to be yeah, lazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Very layered. Yeah. Now and, I know a new word to use. Okay. <laughs> hey. hey. And and it's interesting because in Cantonese, like they don't have a Chinese word for it. So how people use it is just by spelling H E A out. Hey. <laughs> really? Okay. Hey. Awesome. Hey. So what's your word, Steph? Yeah. Um my word is natio. Which guilt. Yeah. Which is guilt. But it's not like huge like guilt it's like a twinge of guilt and it's the kind of guilt that pinches at your heart instead of collapsing it uh, so do you feel nature recently <laughs> <laughs> i haven't used that word recently but i'm sure i felt it recently i'm sure like there are so many emotions that occur all the time right but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I was just thinking about like the, the things that I express in English more often and the things that I express in Chinese more often. And like the things that I express in English more often tend to be like positive emotions and like um, very strong, like anger kind of emotions. Mm. But then when it comes to like more subtle emotions, yeah. I feel like I use Chinese a lot more. Mm. 
Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I, I also have a question. And when you are like thinking about those emotions and when it's just you, yourself, <laughs> yeah, me, myself, and I. Yep. So <laughs> then, then what language do you talk to yourself in? Like what is your, what's the language that you go to for self-speech? Oh, English for sure. Yeah, like, English. Like I'm like I'm like Malay. Like I'm I'm even worse than Malay. I think my Chinese is like really really bad. So it's like and 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 it's it's a shame because my mom is like a is a uh, mainly Mandarin speaker, right? So yeah. we can have entire conversations where she's talking to me in Mandarin and I'm just replying in English, and it's perfectly fine because she obviously <laughs> knows how to speak English and she obviously knows how to like communicate in English. But her yeah. natural self, her her the one of the lowest cognitive load is mm. Mandarin. So the mm. first thought that comes out of her head. Is, is Chinese and sometimes she forgets right so she uh, when she's uh, with our family and certain mm-hmm. members of our family like live in the US so they never learn Chinese um, she'll forget she'll forget that she's talking to people who don't understand Chinese and then the words that come out are just Chinese and then she'll look at them expectantly like and then she'll catch herself yeah yeah and then she'll catch herself and like back up back up um, and I think she did that recently to like Malik a little bit as well you know oh. it's like yeah it's like she saw him and then she was started talking about something and the first few words that came out was Chinese and she <laughs> caught herself and then she like <laughs> repeated I, herself back in English. Like, were, you, were you conscious of that moment that Me? Steph was talking about? Yeah. No, I t- totally didn't, didn't know. It's the first time I heard it. What? Yeah. Okay, no, I'm, very, I'm super sensitive to it because it's like I grew up with my mom speaking to me in English. So the fact that now that she's older and she's like, you know, retired and um, mm. there's no need for her to be anything other than her true and natural authentic self. Yeah. She is a Chinese speaking lady. And I'm like, who are you? And okay, fine. <laughs> if this is who you want to be, I'll, I'll, I'll engage at that level. Um, right. But yeah, so... So no, I, I myself speak is in English. Um, mm. Chinese is not like a very strong language of mine. In fact, I can't express mm. um, the full range of what I'm thinking and feeling in right. Chinese at all. But there are just these certain words that once maybe it's yeah. also the onomatopoeia of Natio. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's 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 just a lot like softer and it's a lot more subtle. And it's like I'm not like stricken like with guilt like the English stricken with guilt. Yeah, yeah. Very, yes. Like, like you're pummeled in or like. You're yeah. This yeah. huge burden or this whatever, yeah. right? But me too, it's like, oh, I feel bad. Like, and it's a kind of like, it's a pinch and it's like, oh. It's a subtle yeah. Yeah, feeling. Yeah, it's like mm. twinging, but nobody in English says a twinging with guilt, you know? It's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a bit awkward. <laughs> twinging with guilt. Yeah, that's, or, or that's a never heard of that phrase. Yeah, like oh, yeah. a twinge of guilt. It's like those, those words. But the, the word twinge is already very good, right? Automatically, mm. it's like it's got that sense of like mm, yeah, a little, yeah. little bit. <laughs> you keep using this word. What, what, what's the word again? Ono what? Onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia. What does it mean? It's when the sound of the word conveys the meaning of Sounds, the word. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like how um, whack, whack actually sounds like a whack because of the whack. Like the swoosh, right? And the mm. k- which is like when it impacts on your yeah. Head, whack. Yeah. The word is specifically designed to sound like what it is. Or like twinkle. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, twinkle. Mm. Okay. I learned something new today. Onomatopoeia. Um, yeah. Onomatopoeia. But it's also very interesting. Like this whole study can be um, done in Cantonese in, in, in a very interesting way because Cantonese is one of the languages that has the most onomatopoeias. Mm-hmm. And 
um, they don't sound the same, you know, as in English or other languages. So because of the tonal system that they have, mm. so all the more it can sound very interesting. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this can be a topic for another day, but <laughs> yeah, going back to like self-speech, which I was asking just now, like, you know, it's interesting that you said that, yeah, the your expertise in that language and, and how well, how proficient you are in that language really makes a difference to whether you speak in that language or you express yourself in that language. But I must say, because I do have quite a good grasp of Cantonese in, uh, in, in being able to express my emotions, then I actually feel differently if you make me express it in ah, Cantonese. Interesting. Okay, how, yeah. give, give, us, give us an example. I feel like a more gentle self when I express myself in Cantonese. And uh, if this way I you're would, comparing, you're comparing against Mandarin, you're comparing against English. English. If I compare against Mandarin, it feels the same, but I'm deep, I'm more deeply invested in Cantonese than I am in Mandarin. Right. Okay. Mandarin, it seems like a working language for me, but Cantonese seems like a very personal language to me. So therefore, my, when my relatives talk to me, they, when they speak to me about emotions, it hit me on like a way different level. Like if they use English on me, I won't feel anything. But if they use Cantonese on me, I will have very intense emotions. Yeah, like, yes. And your self-speak, it's in Cantonese or in English or in Chinese? It can switch. No, like Cantonese and English. It can switch. Wait, do, do you say different things to yourself in different languages? Yes. Okay, yes. so generally, what kind of things do you say to yourself in English and what kinds of things do you say to yourself in uh, Canto? Um, I think very generic emotions. I would like to express it in Cantonese within myself, like sometimes. Uh, I don't know, like everyday life experience, I like to experience it in Cantonese. Also, especially because I came back Okay, okay, okay. When you first wake up in the morning and you don't want to get out of bed yeah. and you have to talk yourself out of like getting out of the bed, what do you say to yourself? Just say the hey. first thing that comes to mind. Just say, hey, yeah. Uh. <laughs> hey. hey. No, just say, hey, son, hey, son. Like, oh, which is means get up, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's in like. Oh, so you say that to yourself in, in, in Cantonese? Or like, yeah, I, I, I think I do both. Okay, what like, do you, what do you uh, say when like um, you're hungry and you need to go and get food? Oh, it is in Cantonese. Oh my god, okay, okay. Mm. Hey, Mali, help me think of something that, yeah. that will get Flo to say something in something other than Cantonese. Oh, okay. What if you if you are teaching someone you really really like and they and you won't see them again? Oh, in English, definitely. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Do you say teaching someone that they really that she really really likes? Yeah. No, teaching in general is a. It's I I would not never use Cantonese. Okay. Okay. Fine. What if you are about to leave uh, a place? For example, you're about to leave. Singapore and you're gonna say goodbye to your friends for the very last time, regardless of their their race and language understanding, what language will you use? No, I, I feel like I'm very intentional when it comes to this. Like I know which language would allow us to communicate better. Like so yeah, for like, us, hey, I dude, we're talking about inner voice. Yeah, like, inner voice 
Okay, but she's okay. by saying bye bye to her friends. Is she has to use her outer voice to do that? Yeah, she can't so just stand I'm, there and like. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. What? What? Um. In a voice, you're trying to make a decision, a difficult decision, to, to, go overseas to study or to stay in Singapore, and you need to talk yourself through this decision. What would you? Actually, very good question. Then it will be in English because I I process my logical reasoning in English. I guessed it. Yeah. Yeah, logical reasoning is in English, but if I have any like sidetrack emotions or general life things, like even one to ten. Oh my gosh! Yes, yes, yes. This is a really good example. I don't count one to ten using English. My self thought. Yeah. If if you make me count one to ten, or like I'm counting money. Oh, counting money is great. Yeah, counting money. I count it in Cantonese. Like, you count money in Cantonese. Yeah, but oh no, like God. just like inner voice, like no, for real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. actually, I've no. seen this before. I've seen this. What? I've seen this before. You actually counting money in Cantonese in front of me. I think you've done this before. <laughs> then it must be very subconscious. Yeah, because I yes. I would never intentionally do this I've, out. No, I've seen you that do this before. Um, and it was during. Um, last time somewhere last year, and you were counting money, and you were counting in Cantonese in front of me, and you were like, "Hey, why am I counting in Cantonese?" And you switch back. To English. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this. Yes, experienced it. Okay, noted. Correct. Yeah. So the yes, there are very specific routines in my life that is purely Cantonese that I cannot get myself out of, but. Yeah. Very intentional things like if you want me to think through logic, I cannot do it in Cantonese anymore. Like, it's it's too deep and power packed that I have to process it in English. But maybe yeah. maybe when you are reaching your retirement age and where that old woman, you will yeah. become a Cantonese speaking woman naturally. Just like how Steph's <laughs> mom became a Mandarin speaking woman. I totally <laughs> believe it. I totally <laughs> right? believe it. Yeah, you yeah. See, do and you then see she'll flow? go to the market and then she'll be like, "Yeah, you something." Ah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then she's think, like, then she'll count how much she. Sorry, what what was it again? Like, <laughs> how, how much how much change am I supposed to give you? Like, yeah. She, oh yeah, you sound safe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that will happen for sure. Oh, oh okay. God. Another question. Like, if you had a baby, like a like if you had your own children, like, mm. do you think you would express affection in Cantonese? Ooh, or even like 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 scolding and or like well what is the other thing praise so affection criticism and praise i don't think i'll do negative things with cantonese ah interesting yeah Why? Like it will it will it will contaminate the language but... uh no it's not so much of contaminating a language but like i don't want to I feel I feel deeper with Cantonese. So if if I'm going to feel bad, I'm going to feel even worse in Cantonese. <laughs> like like I, when I express it, I'll be even angrier. So I don't think I'll do that. I'll use English to like make calm myself down. Like not not that it will literally calm myself down, but like in terms of no, like, I bet it literally would. Like uh, maybe in terms of comparison, maybe it's slightly better, like calming. <laughs> yeah, and then um, maybe good things. I don't mind both ways. So mm. praise would be in Canto or in English. Yeah, both ways is fine. I I I find this interesting because when we were talking about that one word, then we express in our own language, right? Mm. 
the words kind of have a negative connotation, right? With chill and with uh, guilt and with me, right? So <laughs> now when when we are on the on the giving end of things, we are trying to use our natural language or our mother tongue, but we are trying to reverse that process. We're trying. You can see. Can you see that the conscious yeah. part yeah. of you? Trying mm. to use the language in a positive manner compared to um, subconsciously, we are just using it in a negative manner. Yes. Right. Yes. So is, I don't know. Maybe this could be something you can research into. No, Why? I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, um, I'm sure people have talked about it. I'm sure, like, people have looked into this. Like, I don't think what I'm saying is something I've heard for the first time. But for me, you, you guys are allowing me to realize I act the same as <laughs> like most people in the research do. <laughs> like that. Yeah. I, I don't want to feel so much because I don't want to find it difficult to like get myself out of it. Right. Yeah. And interesting. Con- yeah. Interesting. So for me, when I teach, it's pretty easy for me to get out of emotions in English. Like, I don't feel, feel it. So it's just like, okay, next, you know? Yeah. So I think it's a great working language for me, I must say. Uh, now I understand that when you say, oh, Malik, I am so happy for you. It is not a real great emotion. No! <laughs> what are you saying? Like, that's the best I can say to you who don't understand the Cantonese. No, right? it's fine. And, and that way we know that when Malik is angry with us, we know that he's not really that angry. Yeah. Exactly. He's only yeah. scolding us in English. It's like, yeah. if he hasn't started yeah. scolding us in Malay, we're good. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's if true. I haven't suddenly transformed myself into my Malay dude that exists <laughs> inside me, <laughs> that means... Situation still salvageable, <laughs> but if the Malay dude comes out and like, hey, ah, then, then I don't know how to say it. <laughs> D N K O. D N yeah K O. Oh okay, cool. Yeah. So I think we have a pretty uh, substantial stuff that we went across, uh, and yeah. I must say that yeah, Flo gave us Flo gave me a, a, an interesting insight into emotions which I never would have thought. About and, and our discussions kind of brought us into a different plane of thought, uh, learning about a new word, onomatopoeia, right? Is that the word? Yes, learned well it, right? Got it, <laughs> got it, and uh, yeah, that's that, that's pretty interesting. Uh, kind of never thought of emotions that deeply because. Yeah, that's that's just me, I guess. <laughs> no, but but I must say, if you ever want to read up more, right. um, this there's this really amazing researcher that wrote this book called "How Emotions Are Made." It's by Lisa uh, Feldman Barrett. Yeah, so she's a neuroscientist that works on emotions, and she's the one that came out with this whole concept of how emotions are constructed in our brain. That Do you? We, yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Carry on. I yeah. was just thinking about what Malik said about um, like half joking, saying that he doesn't think about emotions that much. And like when it comes down to gender, do you think that's why guys are less emotive because they are just less articulate? Yeah, maybe. And about and their me, emotions, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, I must say in my research, when I did it, I had to separate guys and girls because they express themselves so differently mm-hmm. that there will be a problem if I put the same data together. So I had to analyze the male's data on a uh, separate note 
from the females' data. Oh my yeah. god, I can't believe the show is ending. I want to hear more about this, like, gender differences and how we, like, talk about... I know, I think... about it in our next episode. Yeah, we can, we yeah, can definitely so. carry on this conversation. This is so interesting. In, in the next episode. Because I can give my take on the male parts of it. Uh, oh, cool. I but but your, your, your opinion is more, is more um, influential if you can... You can place yourself where you are on the guy spectrum. Do you think you're a very guy guy, or do you think you're a bit of like a a girl guy? What do you think? You guys know me better. <laughs> what do you think? Am I a girl guy or a guy guy? I, I think you're think, adaptable. Yeah, That's, I don't think you're like yeah one. Yeah, so when you're hanging out with us, you're obviously a girl okay, guy. Girl guy. <laughs> but then only you know for a fact with how much of it is like. Oh my god! For all the listeners who are not here, and all the listeners who might not ever ever show up <laughs> Malik is just doing a stupid dance <laughs> for goodness knows what <laughs> but okay yeah I, I agree with you and I think this is a good uh, place where we can call it a day and mm-hmm. continue in the next episode right yeah so yeah. thank you Flo for joining us um, thank you so much Flo for sharing Yay. all your learning and knowledge and like insight She's yeah. been, I mean, like Flo spent so many years like studying this and thinking about this. It's like yeah, I was spent enough four years thinking about it. So yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy this because like I feel like it's so mysterious, but I want to take the mysteriousness out of it. Like I don't want to make it look like it's mysterious because I don't think it is that mysterious. Yeah. Mm. Cool. So I guess we will still carry on our conversation maybe sometime in the future and. Yep. Hopefully you're back here or maybe you're not not sure. But if you are, we will probably try to get together once this uh period of self-isolation is over. Yeah. Uh, and, and we can probably sit down and have a have a proper conversation which is not across uh the sea, right? Um <laughs> yes. in any case, um I'll see you guys and take care. Take care. Bye. Okay, bye.